0: Radio ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשירס
1: Shalom and welcome to another edition of Harsha Talk. I'm Rabbi Elliot Malamit in Highland Park, New Jersey, at the Highland Park Conservative Temple Congregation, Anshay Emmet. And joining me, my good friends, Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanovsky, Anshay Chesed in New York City, Rabbi Barry Chesler, Solomon Chesed Day School of Long Island. We're recording this on day 53 of the war. We have been watching, um, I guess by now it must be about 60... Close to 60, sixty, seventy uh, of the hostages uh, come out since last Friday. Uh, these are heart-wrenching scenes. They're, they're they're so hard to to watch. They're so hard to talk about, and and they elicit so many different kinds of emotions from us. On the one hand, a um, sense of relief for the families, and a sense of anguish for the families that are still waiting. And and um, and the kinds
2: of things that we're hearing, the the kinds and of and brutal- sometimes those are the same family. And they're the thing. Fam- they release parts of a family. Absolutely. And you know, it's striking to me that the unstinting nature of the brutality involved that they would right. release part of a family. Yeah. I just want to maybe
1: we'll talk about this for a second because it's you know, ever since the rally which the three of us were at, and and really since the beginning of the war, we we are encountering, you know, Claude Israel in a in a in a new set of ways. Um you know, of course we're we're all going through this depending on the 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 valence that we have towards israel and the connection and the sense that we share destiny and we share in the trauma and yet on the on you know by by geography we are we are orbits away from this uh we don't live in this uh and and jeremy you were there and and you you spoke about this um I mean the the trip is still with you obviously I mean it's going to stay with you forever almost I I mean sure and and um you know our sense of of how to navigate um our feeling and and our sense of connectedness to to Israel I think is uh given that we we are not directly seeing or experiencing this in our own you know uh, environment I think that's one of the Issues, you know, we are two different communities, and yet we share a lot with each other. But these experiences are not shared on the same level or in the same depth. And that—that that I think is something that uh, I mean. I'm just wondering in the Parsha, Parsha Vayishlach, which is an amazing Parsha. Um, do we do we have a sense of destiny or Klal Yisrael or a sense of what is becoming? And maybe that's a good way to to start thinking about the Parsha because. We're seeing a nucleus, a nucleus of the people of Israel as they come back. Jacob, so we'll we'll, we'll go right into uh, Jacob, you know where he's located. He's located really at the boundary, the boundary of coming back into the land, and prior to coming back into the land, he sends a set of messengers to to see or to to interact with Esau, and he's scared. And um his first reaction upon this fear is you know trying to save himself and save his family and save the nucleus of the people, dividing his right. his 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 family into, into two different groupings to go
2: across. Before okay. we get to that, I just wanted to share an observation that occurs to me listening to you summarize the Parsha, is that there seems to be something either missing or troubling about Jacob's whole approach to his entrance to the land. He hasn't seen his brother for 20 years, and he's fearful that bad things are going to happen. And a few weeks ahead of us, when we get to Mikates and Viigash, um, we're going to, if we follow our form, perhaps excoriate Yosef for never writing home in 22 years. But apparently he learned that from his father, Yaakov, who did not write home in the during the twenty years he was gone because he has no idea what he's going to find when he comes
1: to the land. And Yaakov himself is getting it from his mother because his mother promised him and said, "You know, you go there, spend some time with Lavan, and we will send for you."
0: And she doesn't send for him. So, so and that's how- true. And it's, it's true one generation back because if you do the genealogies, you know that Abraham leaves Terach, and Terach is at such and such an age. I forget exactly what the number is, but. Abraham also overlapped for years and years and years with Terah. So it, this is crazy. We have this, we have this Mecha, this filial piety religion, when in point of fact, each one of these stories, if you run the if you run the narrative closely, you discover that, that everybody left left their parents. Well, what you're saying is that
1: there's there's a breakdown.
2: Each generation well it provides though for a nice punt because they understand we understand as honor your parents, and they apparently understand that their parents are
0: too much of a burden. Okay. okay.
1: Well, okay. So so here, here he's faced with um you know the, the peril of whether or not there'll be a future because he's afraid of his brother. And and you know the the Torah is is I think the Torah is sympathetic to so the rabbis are definitely not sympathetic to Esav. We can talk about that for a second, but Esav um, seems to have forgotten everything, or seems to have set everything aside, because I'm we're, we're we're glossing over the the wrestling match. We've talked about that in the past, and you know the parade of gifts before Esav, and 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 that all has some coded messages to Esav. But but if you if you go to the the, the scene where They meet, which is chapter 33, uh, verse 4. Esav runs to greet uh, Jacob. He hugs him. He falls on his neck. He kisses him, and they cry. Now, you know, the the dots on the word uh, elicit all sorts of beautiful midrashim, that he actually tried to 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 bite him, etc. If we set all of that aside for a second, uh, it, it's on in the on the face of the text. It's a brother hugging a brother, and the two of them crying, and and it's left to us as the reader, you know, the the audience really, to try and interpret this moment, and and. I think we are allowed to have a little bit of sympathy for Esau and say, you know he, he he has left his animosity, and we're allowed to have a little suspicion of Jacob
2: and say that he's he's relieved uh, also. But I' would really draw it a little more sharply because i I think what this Parsha emphasizes is how out of character Esau's anger was in the previous Parsha. Uh-huh. right Esau gets angry twice, perhaps once when the birthright is sold, and then once when the blessing is stolen. And he is in a murderous rage. But I think in light of this Parsha, we could understand that that murderous rage was temporary. It was in the moment and he calmed down a lot more quickly, than his brother Yaakov did, who seemed to harbor concern for 20 years, which is going to come out into the open in this shop. And I think we already get a hint of that when Esau sees that Yaakov is sent away to marry a particular kind of woman, and he has not done that himself, so he gets himself a wife that would be pleasing to his parents because he's basically a good guy. You know, One who's we, eager to please. Do, do you read in
1: the running towards Jacob? Uh, in, in line with impulsivity, is it? You know, I once heard uh, a scholar talk about asav as as someone who uh, is is a child a child with differences. That is to say, impulsive <laughs> behaviors. Uh, you know, and, and and other kinds of things that we would associate with with. Uh, a child with specific behavioral differences, um, and and then he acts with impulsivity here, but but he's he's an older man here. He's also sixty-two years old. How old?
0: <laughs> no, it's got to be. It's got to be more because Jacob got to be more. I, Isaac is sixty when the children They're are born, born, and he dies at the end of the parsha at one eighty. So, so, uh, the children are somewhere getting up towards a hundred. Okay, good enough.
1: But, uh, but, um, so, so now,
0: for
2: the sake of our listeners, it's important that we take a moment for a shout out to our <laughs> eager listener, Noam <laughs> Kogan.
0: No, I'm Kogan, Who uh, I'm had 100. a birthday I'm on birthday. Sunday. With
2: we wish him a happy birthday, and our own esteemed. Dare I say, amazing Elliot Mohammed <laughs> right. right. who celebrated his birthday yesterday. There you go. Thank you, you, you know,
0: can much. I just make an observation about this, by the way, about the the birthdays? So, okay, at one level, maybe we don't want to be too specific about you know what happens or what we think. We don't have to parse the the numbers that closely. But Isaac says. Oh, I'm growing old. I'm about to die. Let me give you this blessing before I die. And it's at least forty years later that he actually dies.
1: A hundred years later. I'm uh, sorry, eighty years later. He dies at 180, and he's 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 a hundred years old when
0: I don't know that it said that I don't set a date, but it's a long time. A long time. So, so Isaac, I... Isaac's feeling like I'm gonna die. And Esau, maybe there's another parallel between Esau and 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 Isaac, his father, Esau, when he sells the birthright, he says, "I'm gonna starve to death right now and 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 you know and I'm gonna and I'm gonna kill Jacob right now." So the impulsivity thing makes a certain degree of sense, but I, I we have to say, and you we can we can say that, you know, the, the Torah is somehow the real Asab, and the rabbis misprize it or is un, interpreted unkindly. I think the opposite is true. I think that the that the audience for a Torah story knows that we're on Jacob's side. and We don't like Esau, and yet the Torah is so sympathetic to him, and 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 portrays him. In fact, in, in the in the end of the time, not as somebody who really came to bite his brother, but somebody who maybe he was impulsive, maybe he wasn't that thoughtful, maybe he came with four hundred men to to inspire fear but then when he finally sees him his heart just melts and he says brother
1: so it's interesting uh, and uh, just to on this note you know Esav does undergo a tremendous transformation because he starts out as a hunter and he has he appears in this scene with 400 men uh it's either a gang a small army or or whatever and then by the end of the parsha when we get the whole list of genealogies he, he he very much is a, a a founder of a nation, a patriarch, and a family man. Uh, he goes off to a different land, and there he lives in a land and lives very much uh, as uh, one of the nations that uh, is spawned by, by Abraham, his grandfather. Uh, so it's and- a tremendous transformation in, in, in that uh, character as well.
0: Correct. I, correct. And I and I also think that, you know, Jacob gives him this tremendous or tries to offer him this tremendous gift of lots and lots and lots of animals, lots, and lots of livestock. If he were a hunter, the answer would have been, what do I need this stuff for? I'm I'm a hunter gatherer. He actually the transformation has included not only the wealth and the <laughs> being the progenitor of a nation, uh not only his his material comfort, but the specific material comfort of himself being a livestock guy. It's uh, ex-
1: you know the 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 parade of animals is a starter flock. These are starter flocks for him. That if he knows how to husband these animals, he can become as prosperous as Jacob. All right, so so we have this encounter, and let's let's just uh, press fast forward here to Jake, Jacob's arrival in the land. And uh, that's chapter 33, verse 18. And we get this verse, Vayavu Yaakov Shalem Ir that Jacob comes... Now Now, here, I'm going to translate it, you know, one way, which is Jacob comes whole, Shalem, intact uh, to the city of Shechem, Asher Be'eretz Canaan, that is in the land of Canaan, V'vo'o when he comes from Padan Aram, that district, Vayichana Pnei Ha'ir and he encamps at the edge of the, the city. And I, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to affirm that translation only because you can translate it also as Jacob arrived to the city Shalem, which is the city of Shechem, so that we have a debate as to what that word Shalem means. Is he whole no. intact, one second, or is, is Shalem the name of a city? Shalem, the name of a city, that's the commentary of Rashbam. And Shalem, the commentary of the rabbis, mostly encapsulated by Rashi, that he is whole, whole in body, whole in property, and whole in his Torah. So uh this uh,
2: what exactly is happening here? Or so, what, what I would suggest to you is that this is a fascinating kind of doublet that we doublet that we have not yet really seen. So you point out that Shalem lends itself to two different interpretations. It could be an adverb, I guess, peacefully, or it could become be the name of a city. But Shechem is not just the name of a city, it's the name of a person. Yes. And if we understand Shechem as the person who's going to appear in chapter 34 as the uh, the involved party in the story of Dina, shall we say, Um. Suggests that it should be Shalem in the sense of he arrived in peace because it's going to set up the direct conflict which what ensues because the story does not end peacefully and Shechem is going to rest in peace after he's violently murdered. (laughs) Uh,
1: So, so, so I, I, I want to say I, I, I could have it both ways. I could, I want to say that, that. There is something in Jacob's arrival that we we get the sense that he's really whole here after having made the rapprochement with his brother things are things are okay for him, and that from this moment on uh literally from this moment on, everything does go downhill for him in this story, his daughter is raped, his sons commit uh, a massacre uh his uh the, the his his uh wife will die in childbirth uh his well el, el, eldest son will cohabit with his concubine and then you know we haven't even started with joseph and the the the, the conflicts that will ensue with the brothers so is this the high point of his life or is this i mean that's reading shalem as the high point of his life or is this, you know, arrival? Is this simply a rival? And a, are we really talking about geography here and not emotion? Um, or can you separate the two? I, I'm not sure.
2: It's a kind of spiritual geography. It's not just about place. It's about where his head is at as well, a metaphorical place. Yeah. Because when, you know, part of the problem here is that The family, such as it is, which has been three generations in the land, more or less, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, are not settled in the land. They don't have a place yet to call their own above ground. They have the cave for their just desserts, as it were, but they do not have a place that they call their own. And there are other people in the land, and those people come in a variety of hues, because at the end of the story of Dina after the massacre, Jacob says that, you know, I'm going to be considered lowly or disgusting. Uh, he makes it by the- true
1: acquire land in this in this story but he can but he buys he, Shechem, right he buys uh, he buys the field he buys a field next to him, and i think that's very significant he does not want to live inside the city it says very clear clearly mm-hmm. he goes to the limit of the city but he's at the outside of the city which is similar well to,
2: there's a great uh, irony here yeah sorry because it, it, cities are identified with Cain yeah who is the first murderer
1: exactly exactly and so he's being oppositional to city culture he is remaining uh, as a pastoral nomad a shepherd which with, with all of the connotations of a shepherd freedom uh, a little bit of you know independence etc uh, and not wanting the trappings of wealth and power that are found in the cities and and then and then it says um Sham he he builds an altar by Kralo Israel and he names the altar. and you know it's interesting, you know, what would you do? you' you're you 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 have a large clan of people. you build your camp and you build an altar and then you display that to the people in the city, right? And it's your God versus their pagan gods basically. So he, he is making a bit of a statement here. He is um you know establishing his title, he's establishing a position. And then it's precisely at that moment that we read the next verse, which is Dina Leah. that Dina goes out, Dina, daughter of Leah, goes out, Asher So the Torah is very specific about who she is. Then it's Lirot She goes and She's looking at the daughters of the land. The daughters of the land. What do you think she's looking for here? What? What? what how do you interpret that verse, Jeremy? You want
2: to What's that? Companionship. She's the only girl of her generation in Jacob's family. Sure, it I, must I, be I like kind that. of
0: lonely. I, I like that too. I think that. Uh, I I think that that's that's a. A, a nice and and very attractive reading that that she's that she's looking for feminine friends, right? Because she lives in a masculine environment. Eleven brothers at
1: this point, and and a father, and four that the four women are still you know very much uh, around, but these women have been but a different generation, a different generation, right? And there may or may not be who knows you know what what other female presence there is here, but they're certainly not. They're not named, and they're not they're 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 not uh, presented
0: here. She's alone. Uh, yeah, that massive, massive statistical improbability that there's all these male children and only one female child. But
1: uh, is, well, yeah, okay. If you, I just heard of a family where where there were ten daughters born to them. So it
0: happens. I mean, each one is a 50 Each one is exactly a exactly. So. But.
1: So you never know, yeah, right. but,
0: it's, but it's a little, but it's a, it's a little bit statistically improbable. But it's fine because, I, but I do think that uh, you know, reading it now as a twenty first century person, you know, but aretz. She she goes out to see that like, like there's a certain kind of story that's a that's a masculine story, and maybe she's just looking for her own feminine story that that the Torah doesn't really. I mean it's a, it's a little unfair because because Rachel and Leia is a feminine story their rivalry their their um the complicated sister relationship that's not a story totally lacking in if probably not written by women themselves but not lacking in sensitivity to some of the social dynamics but I would I I'm attracted to the thought that Dina just goes out you know um she doesn't have to engage in a conversation about your descendants will be as mighty as the stars in the sky. She's just looking for friends.
1: So, so if if Bereshit is about as as one of its main themes, a siblinghood, mostly in the guise of brothers, although Rachel and Leah, you know, make this theme in sisters. Here, here is the she doesn't have a a, a sister. Uh, all she has is brothers and the brothers have brothers and the sister so this story at the end in its punchline and and we're going to have to get to that punchline which is we 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 failed we failed at protecting our sister and our sister turned you know th- was raped by uh, Shechem. shem and we're avenging her rape and can we let this happen to our sister uh, it's it's such a profound and so, know, crushing line on so many levels, and and I don't even want to, you know, it, barreling towards us is is you know the experience that we are in right now, where we're where we are we are enraged by what an enemy did to us, and uh, we have launched a war uh, based on what an enemy has done to us to to. To utterly destroy that enemy uh, on all them with with moral justification, we'll, we'll, and 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 here you know we have this moment where where the two brothers make this claim, Shimon make this claim um, because we didn't protect our sister. She is our sister. She has to remain our sister, and we've rescued our sister. Uh, and how she goes on, we don't know. We don't know anything about her afterwards. I don't can know. Can I just well, say something? Can just say something but,
0: that, uh, that? That what well, you just said awakens in me. I, I I met with a um, a conversion candidate today, who is from India, and we're just talking about you know what part of her life. She, what part of her own culture she can, she can retain if she becomes a Jew? And what part does she have to put aside? And she's like, there's some holidays that I really want to... So we have this holiday called RAKHI, R-A-K-H-I, which I had never heard of. And she's very close with her own, you know, natal family. And she said, this is, this is a holiday of a gesture where brothers and sisters exchange bracelets to signify a protective relationship that a brother has towards a sister. And when you say it, when you described it, Elliot, this way, um, you know, and this woman said, listen, I I can't imagine not having Rocky with my brother. So um, when you said it this way, you know, Shimon and Levi, uh, who, who, well, we can tell the story a little bit clearer for those of our listeners who maybe don't know the story. They respond with overwhelming violent rage and and I never really thought about that That what they're dealing with is not only the, you know, the alliances and the geopolitics, it's their guilt that they just fell down on the job. But it's, it's also, I think, is fair
2: to understand the guilt as being misplaced. And I was thinking about this in connection with the story of the selling of the birthright. And I think, Ellie, it was you who mentioned the five verbs in quick succession that... During uh, one of our podcast yes yeah and I don't remember the four verbs but the last one is vas at so, like that. He, he, yeah. that he despised his birthright but what's striking about that phrase is that that is clearly a narrative intrusion that that's not Esau Esau came and he ate and he Quickly and went away, but the narrator is the one who tells us that this means he despises his birthright, and I don't think that's true at all, and what's, I think we have to pay attention to here is that, first of all, Dina does not say a word in the entire story. No one asks her what she thinks, which right. is quite striking. So when it says, Okay. Uh, Hayalda, I can't remember the
1: phrase. Take
2: for me this no, curtain. before that, Vayishkav, right. Vayaneha. He forced her. Right, so the Vayaneha is actually the editorial intrusion. That in other words, he took her and slept with her. I, I, that there can be no doubt about it. But whether it was by force or not is decided for us by the narrator, not by Dina. Because Dina has no voice in the entire story. And later, it's going to say that uh, they, their sister was uh, made impure, which is also, if not the narrator, then it's the view of Shimon and Levi. It's not Dina's view. It and just, the last thing I would point out is that there's three takings of Dina in the story. She is taken and slept with by Shechem. Shechem says to his father, take her for me as a wife. And then the brothers take her when they murder all the people in the town. And she has no voice in the entire story, which is actually stunning.
1: It's stunning when you compare it to Rivka and under totally different circumstances, who when asked, will you go with these men? And she says, I'll go. So she's she is the matriarch that's given a voice and of course sarah uh you know as well in in other circumstances but not as determinative as as uh, rebecca is she yes you're quite right dina is passive to all of this even though the first word of that story about Dina Lea, that's the active she's she's activating herself in an exploratory journey um to seek out either companionship or to satisfy curiosity, you know, we, we could we could invest all sorts of motivations for her by going out. The very fact that the father has encamped outside of a city may have yield, you know, uh, left her with tremendous curiosity. How how do these people live? I am the only girl here. How do they live, and what's going on there? And and she her luck that she's uh, attractive and that this um, uh, how shall we describe Shechem a dullard uh ogre uh, just a, a let's use the words yucky. He's a yucky person, <laughs> right? very sophisticated word a manoeuvre, a manoeuvre, okay? He's really a despicable person um, and and yet and he rapes her, but he loves her, okay? The, the words are you know I'm not sure I agree with you by the way but I will leave that for another time you know that it's editorializing or or the narrator okay fine but the three three sets of ver he, he he is he's being he's trying to be gentle first he rapes her and then he talks to her i you know he he's gentle to her you know it's 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 almost absurd, no? I mean, and and so she is she's passive. Uh and the brothers understand that something terrible happened here. Because the word comes back to them that they want to marry, you know, she the that wants to marry her, and they can't they can't handle this. Well, it's,
0: at some level, this is a polemic about intermarriage, too. Yes. I okay. mean, you know, so we know that the Bible does generally view very dimly you know, intermarriage and and it always thinks that it's going to be you know, result in idol worship and everything and and um, and you know, just the translation of uh, as he lay with her by force it's it, we are reading into it and I'm not saying this is wrong to read into it that the concern has to do with you know, the, a lack of consent or or whatever, um, physical violence. It says he humbled her, or he or he afflicted abused. her, afflicted her, afflicted, um, abused. he is Abused, abused. But I, just saying that the translation of he lay with her by force is a not unreasonable, but not exactly what the word itself means. He afflicted her, um, and. And so the, so the question about when he, his soul cleaves to her and he speaks to her heart, is it an absurdity, like a, a, a terrible attacker who now tries to say something nice, which is an absurdity, is he trying to make up? And But we don't know what her response is. He speaks to her heart. Does that mean that he tries to speak to her heart and fails? Does it mean he speaks to her heart and succeeds and, he, and, and somehow her heart responds to him? I, I don't know any of those
1: things. We, we, we don't know any of that. And she's a girl. She's just a little girl. You know, she's referred to as hayalda Hanaara. I mean, what could that mean? You know, that she she may not have any kind of of she certainly doesn't have agency here.
0: Uh in, and in, especially because, you know, I mean, this is this is now makes it, the whole thing doubly gross from our perspective. Is that, you know, like in, in the in the Mishnah, it's pretty clear that you can't really let your daughter do- Mishnah is not the Torah, but it's it's pretty clear that. In the Mishnah, you, you really shouldn't let your daughter hit 13 without marrying her off. So, what is she like? Is she nine? What is she?
2: Yeah, but I, I think we have to remember one thing. So, in her family, who can she actually marry? It would seem, based on the little that we're given here, is if she does not marry Shechem, she will never be get married. Because there are no eligible men. Of her family, otherwise she has... All the men in the story are her
0: brothers. Nobody's sending nobody's sending her to Mesopotamia.
1: Exactly, yes. Right. Well, you know, all the brothers end up marrying Canaanites themselves.
2: Well, it's a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, you know, without uh, playing the, the gender card, that um, we know that the men will produce... Other men of the tribe, yeah. Women produce men of their husband's tribe. So
0: So where to go? Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's maybe cut to the chase here. So there has been there has been an inui. There has been vayyanah. There has been some sort of assault, some sort of affliction, some sort of um, abuse. Um, and we are left at least a little bit in the dark as, as to whether. Uh, y- you know r- whether the, the lie with her by force is the is the translation that brings it most across. But in all events, it has been an outrage, an outrage, yes. an outrage. So tell us, tell us, tell us the, the ruse. You know Jacob when Jacob steals the blessing from Esau, Isaac repeats ba <laughs> achicha Mirma. That's he, your brother came with deceptiveness, deception, and took away your. And so, what happens to the brothers now? What do the brothers do? They speak bemirma to to Steve the Shemites. Shemites. And what do they say to them? They said,
1: "Let's let's make you like us. How about circumcising all your men, and then we'll we'll discuss intermarriage with you. And let's we're running out of time, but we said so. They do that, and the third day. Uh, after their circumcision, Shimon and Levi uh, uh, up and kill them all. They 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 commit. Uh,
0: They're a in no position. The, the the Shemites are in no position to defend themselves the third days after this uh, electric the, surgery.
1: Jacob is humiliated by this because Jacob I think wanted some kind of rapprochement with the the people of Shechem, and um, uh, and they have the final line which is not answered, which is vayomru. Are they going to make our sister into a prostitute? Boom! End of story. Drop the mic, and and we're left. I think the text intentionally wants to punch us in the gut there, and say and 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 have us react. Well, how would you react to that? You know, well, how would you react exactly. to that if your daughter or your sister were? What would you? What would go through your mind? Is the proper question? Well, should we form a you know a pact and a bond with these people or? Or you know, are we never going to live with these people and 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 this is this is rage. this is this is about living. the inability to find the breakdown of, of any kind of, of uh, accommodation here.
0: Well, it's, it's maybe not exactly the last word though, because um, uh, because so Jacob says, you have made it impossible for me to live with these people. This is this is the Middle East here. We got to have neighbors. We got to have some sort of diplomatic relationship. And and it's it's impossible for us not to think about contemporary Israeli life. Who, are we trying to live beside difficult people in peace? Are we trying to conquer difficult people? What's the deal? Jacob says you you just make it impossible for me to live here. Shimon and Levi say, I right, well, what would you have done? Um, this was an outrage that, that demands a, a violent military response, and it is the last word in this chapter. But Jacob Jacob gets another bite at that apple on his deathbed speech, and okay. he says he says Shimon Achim Hamas Mechorote Heb They are a pair. Their right. their weapons are Hamas. <laughs> Let my soul not enter their council. Let that my uh, my my soul not rejoice in their community, because in their rage they killed a person, and in their in their when they pleased it they uh, they uh, castrated the ox. Okay. So,
2: but we can't leave it there because the Torah rehabilitates Levi, because Levi at the golden calf harnesses its rage. And directs it appropriately to the sinners of the golden calf. And because of that, they will get the priesthood. And Shimo, we know historically is going to disappear, perhaps because Shimo never could get to that place where rage could be harnessed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, interesting how how the story plays itself out in later biblical stories. And 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 here it's it's left it left hanging and that's where we have to leave the conversation too, because we're out of time. You know, the, 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 the narrative is left hanging and we're going to, we're going to shift to a totally different story. And and I, I want to say, I'm kind of glad, kind of glad we're going to go to Joseph because we love Joseph very much. And we're going to encounter him next time, despite all of the complexities of his life. But um, we, we we've left, this Yaakov here, in this moment of his of his character development, he's not so shalem anymore. He's not so whole. He's 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 breaking apart. He's, he, there's a lot of fragmentation in his character even after this moment as well. Uh, but we want to just reach out to everybody with with the comfort and the experiences of Klal Yisrael at this time. Uh, and and basically here is a parsha where where we see just how complicated it is how how difficult and challenging it is um on so many levels and we're glad that the torah offers us a, a way to to live inside a different kind of complexity that's part of what it means to be a member of this people so in that sense i guess we're all going to wish each other a shabbat shalom and to our listeners watchers we're thankful for you wish you a good shabbat Hope to see you next week on another edition of Arshadah. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom.